My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 17 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast sponsored by Chorus. Hey everyone, hope you are all keeping well and getting into the fresh air and enjoying those miles and trails where you can. We have a really special show lined up this week with a super interview with a legend of ultra and trail running, John Kelly from the United States of America, one of only 15 people to complete the famous Barkley Marathon and who recently completed the Grand Round in the UK. Rene Borg talks about the concept of annual hours training and how looking at last year's volume can help shape your goals for 2021 and we kick off the show with a special guest ben clark northern europe manager for chorus who tells us about the world's greatest marathon runner of all time elliot kipchoge teaming up with chorus as well as going through the features of their watches which help make them the perfect watch for training on road or in the mountains everybody get your running gear on let's go Hey everyone, how's it going? Thanks for joining us this week and let's get straight into it. Our man on the ground, Simon Kelly from the Waterfall Trail Running Festival has this week off as with restrictions still in place, of course, we have no results to report on. But there have been some announcements over the last few days regarding international race calendars for 2021 from the Ultra Trail World Tour and the World Mountain Running Association. So we might have a chat about that with Simon next week. But in the meantime, I'm delighted to welcome to the show Ben Clark, Northern Europe Market Manager for Chorus, home of the lightest GPS running watch in the market, the Pace 2, and also now home to the world's greatest marathon runner of all time, Elliot Kipchoge. Ben Clark, Northern Europe Market Manager for Chorus. Ben, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Owen. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, an absolute pleasure, Ben. And Ben, it's been a massive week for the brand. You've just reached an agreement with the greatest marathon runner of all time. Kipchoge has become part of the chorus team. He'll be wearing the Pace 2 watch for his training and for his racing. And I imagine your phone and your email must have been hopping all week. Absolutely. It's been it's been chock-a-block. I think this has probably been one of the busiest weeks of that kind of course. And in the 10 months that I've been with the company now, it's just it's just been non-stop and it's been the time. I think I might have the rest of the week off actually after this call. Sure. I'd say well deserved <laughs> because it's not only of course Kipchoge, it's the NN racing team as well. So I mean fantastic for the brand to have athletes of that caliber joining the company and of course Kipchoge as well. That's right. So we've got um, we've got an running team on board. We've got Kipchoge, and we've got obviously we'll be adding Kipchoge to our global pro athlete running team. So he'll be joining the likes of John Kelly um, and Hayden Hawks and Camille Heron. And yeah, so it's it's, it's a fantastic thing to be a part of, and we've got him on board, and and, and that's really really great. And yeah. of course, everyone's really happy about it as well, which is which is perfect. It's drawn a lot of attention to Coros as well. Yeah, no, no, fantastic. Of course, Kipchoge was saying that his running watch of choice at the moment is the Pace 2. And maybe, Ben, you could tell us a little bit about the Pace 2 because it has some incredible features. That's right. So, I mean, 
to be totally honest with you, if I wasn't working with Coros, I would still say the same. It is probably the best value for money watch on the market. Um, so what we have in is a pay suit that's a 179.99 in the UK. That's in Great British pounds, um, and so for that you get the lightest running watch on the market. It comes in at 29.7 grams. That's with a nylon strap, um, and you've got 30 hours there um in full continuous gps and heart rate tracking mode also we've still got our um our internal uh, features in there we've got the track mode so if you're doing a lot of track running around um you know 400 meter track you can set it up so that the watch is tracking you um and getting your exact pace time and distance as opposed to using um, the gps plotting which could be all over the place and you're not getting your exact pace and distance um, so we've got that in there as well. So it actually makes it, you know, a great watch for track running and also road running. And obviously an incredible price point as well that is also very, very useful for anybody just starting out and running and, and just getting their first proper training watch. It sounds fantastic, Ben. And especially from a company that's relatively young as well. I mean, as opposed to, say, to some of the competitors out there that are decades in this business, Chorus only started, I think, maybe around, was it 2014, with helmets for cycling, and then only moved into the GPS running and adventure and trail watch market, was maybe around 2016, 2017. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about the, the background of the company and this incredible growth over the last five or six years? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Chorus sort of started back in the day, back in 2014, actually. So um, from a Kickstarter campaign, and it was back when we were doing um, bicycle helmets, um, and smart bicycle helmets. Um, and whilst I can talk about smart helmet technology all day, every day, I'll, I'll keep it short for this interview. Um, but basically, we started to move more into the watch categories, into GPS um, sports watches. Um, around the sort of 2018 mark when we released the Pace One. Um, and then the Pace became effectively the best sort of track um, running watch on the market because it was exclusively made for that reason. And that had the track run mode feature, which I talked about previously. Um, and it also had an incredible battery life. And it was also 179.99 again. So it was an impeccably good watch and impeccably good um, value. And it really put course onto the map for a lot of um, users and then obviously we sort of built on from that we started to bring out more exclusive watches for more sort of niche categories we brought out uh, uh, our ultra running watches which you know as, as, I'm, aware, as I'm sure you're aware um, ultra running has only grown in the past sort of four years as well massively um, and trail running grown as well and with that course has grown um, and I think we are you know to be fair probably one of the, the few companies that are leading the charge for ultra running and trail running as well specifically um, which is where we are giving our users the exact tools that they need um, for their running. Um, so it's a very exciting time to be a part, of course, because we've got a lot of products coming soon as well. Um, we've just had our new water sports feature upload um, onto the updates, on, onto the watches as well as an update um, where users can get specific activity profiles for stand-up paddleboard, um, rowing, um, flat water, surfing, um, Loads of the things, so it's, it's really exciting thing, uh, really exciting time to be a part of course as well. Absolutely, and I'm just looking at the the website here, Ben, and I'm on the page where you can compare the different watches. 
and we said maybe the Pace 2 for road running and then maybe the Vertex GPS Adventure Watch or the Apex Pro or even just the Apex, the, the standard Apex for trail and mountain running. And it's a really interesting page because you can compare the different watches and just the battery life is just incredible. Um, you've got 45 days in regular use on the Vertex GPS watch. And then I think in Ultra GPS, you've got Ultra Max GPS, you've got 150 hours. So, I mean, it's a real coup for the company to, to have found the technology on the battery life. Um, best in the market. That's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so on the Vertex, we've got uh, 150 hours, which is the in the Ultramax setting, which I think is the 30 second um, intervals of GPS pings. Um, and then we've obviously got different satellites, which people can connect to depending on their region. We've got um, obviously Beidou in China as well now. Um, but effectively, that's 150 hours. So if you're doing something like the Marathon de Sables, where you need six days of a watch and lasting for that entire period, the Vertic is the only watch in the world with native battery life to support that, um, which is quite an achievement, I think. Um, but also, um, and although we don't advertise this, and uh, it obviously sometimes re relies on perfect weather conditions, but if you were to turn heart rate off at that 150 hour interval, uh, at, that, at that 150 hour setting, then you could probably get maybe 170 to 180 hours off that Ultramax GPS as well, which is quite incredible. <laughs> you know, the battery life just, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's what Coros is known for really. Um, yeah. whenever, when everyone has, has, has anything about Coros, it, it's always the battery life. And I just look at the Vertex here as well, that um, it has titanium alloy cover material so that watch isn't going to get scraped anytime soon either um, but Ben you've, you're really making a big push with the brand with the company at the moment and you're really making a big push in the UK and Ireland market too so do you have any plans over the next maybe 12 months for UK and Ireland specifically? Yes so um, I mean as I say so I, I, I joined the company back in March as the UK market manager and then I then I moved into a more encompassing role of Northern Europe uh, and I did Benelux and it's gonna and I, do, I do Benelux and Scandinavia now as well um, and, and for all these territories but especially the UK and Ireland we have um, lots of editorials coming out in the next sort of three or four months. We've got some very exciting um, partnerships which are coming as well, um, which will affect um, Ireland as well. Um, very exciting, cannot wait. We might have some things to announce in the next couple of weeks as well in terms of those partnerships. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm very, very looking forward to that. Um, we've also got some amazing sponsorships um, coming up with some awesome athletes as well as obviously Kipchoge, um, which was announced the other day. Um, we will have more software releases, which are always free. Um, and then we've obviously got um, new ambassadors, which are joining the team at all the time, whether that's in Ireland or whether that's in, in, in the UK. Um, and obviously recently as well, well, sort of last month, the month before that, we had our new distributor join us in the UK as well, which is Two Pure Distribution. Um, and they've really helped um, open up some more retail accounts and they'll be doing so more so in the new year as well, opening up retail accounts in, in Ireland, um, which will really help us get on the map with more grassroots um, marketing and obviously um, uh, allowing customers to go in and actually feel the products before they buy them, um, which is, I think, really important for watches. And you obviously want to see what it looks like on your wrist before you go ahead and make the purchase. Um, so that's all the things that we're working on at the moment. Um, as well as obviously all the gift guides and all the advertorials and all the marketing spans that we've got coming on in the next sort of couple of months and 
obviously in the run up to Christmas as well. So it's a very busy, very busy, 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 busy time. Um, and obviously I'm flat out. <laughs> I'm sure it's, you really- it's fun. It's fun. Well, listen, Ben, thanks for your time today. And a big thank you for supporting the Trail Running Ireland podcast as well. It's a great help. It helps keep us going over the cold winter months of November, December and January. So a big thank you for that. And good luck over the next year or two with the UK and especially with the Irish market, of course, as well. And we've got a very interesting interview coming up later on in the show, Ben, with John Kelly, who is a fantastic chorus ambassador as well. Absolutely. And I look forward to hearing that from John as well. But thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay, Ben. Thanks a million. And we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. All the best. Cheers. Bye. My name is Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland, runningcoach.ie. Rene, how's it going? Are you keeping well? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, Owen. As I said, like everyone here in Ireland, I'm waiting with bated breath for the announcement at 6 p.m. to see what December is going to bring. Sure, sure. I'm sure you're dying to get out beyond the 5K limit, hopefully, and um, back up those hills and mountains because you're very close to them in Wicklow. um, So I'm sure you are chomping at the bit. Ah, yeah, we are hoping that maybe even with a bit of luck, we can start group training again, you know, next Wednesday. So fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. But Renny, something we were going to talk about today, um, something a little bit different. The last couple of weeks, we've, we took a great look at aerobic training, anaerobic training, the science behind it and how important it is. But today we wanted to look at something totally different and something that's called, is it the annual training volume? that we've done, that we do every year, how to reflect upon it as we approach the end of the year. And then based on that annual training volume, what decisions we need to make for the following year's training. Yeah, exactly. I like many people, you know, whenever an, a year was coming to an end, I would write um, kind of a, a blog post, which was like a diary entry for myself and just reflect on, you know, what the training year had had brought. And one of the first things to note down was always the, the volume, you know, in terms of kilometers and in terms of of hours. Um, and the reason I think that's that's something very important, because you know, I know you might sit out there and you might say, well, you know, isn't it a bit arbitrary what you happen to run between the 1st of January and uh, the 31st of December? But, you know, obviously we you have to you have to measure your progress with training in, in some kind of intervals and a calendar year just is a nice framework. And the reason you should look at it is that the benefits in running accrue over very long periods of time. And I think we talked about this on one of the very first of these podcasts is that when you look at what creates performance, so what makes the difference, how well you're going to do the strongest correlation is with volume of training. So it doesn't mean obviously that volume is everything, you know, and and just doing lots of hours on your feet will get you what you want. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that volume has a huge and a strong effect. So what could happen is that if you, if you never look 
at what have I actually done in, you know, over a long period of time, um, you could fall into this habit of never really progressing anywhere. You know, that next year um, things don't go as well as they did this year um, because you didn't take the next logical step forward in your training. And I suppose, Renny, that this year in 2020, just gone, it's probably even more important for us to reflect back on what our training was like because there's been so many interruptions, so many stop-start situations, races cancelled, restrictions in our training. So I think we have to be very careful that we can't just jump into 2021 as if we've had a normal 2020 and look to continue our linear line that we would have normally hoped to have do. I know, for example, in my own case, Rennie, this year has been a disaster training wise between stuck in lockdown here in Las Palmas for eight weeks on the bikes for eight weeks, all the problems that I had after that general increases in stress and tension and all the little niggles that that stress can cause in the body as well. So literally for me, 2021 will be just about trying to get some consistency, consistency back in training. Because when I look back on 2020, it was a real mess. Yeah. And I hear, you know, those stories are obviously plentiful at the moment. And then you have the opposite. Like I was speaking to a cyclist the other day, and he said he had had the best training season ever. And he'd set the most Strava, King of the Mountains and so on. But that was because he had no races. So because <laughs> there was no races, uh, there was less downtime, you know, which obviously that when you have more events that requires more recovery periods. So because he had he had nothing of that and he must otherwise have had maybe a fairly easygoing life, he was able to rack up <laughs> the biggest training year ever. So I predict he'll probably have a decent 2021 Um off the back of that so you know you you would have to look at at the past year and and say what what sort of year was it for me but i think really to to establish what you want to do with 2021 what i would look at if, if i was in any of the listeners feed is first of all what what did 2020 look at in terms of hours and kilometers and then i would go and look at the the previous years before that um to give you a bit of context on that, Owen, if, if I was to look back at my own running career, I had my best year in 2012. Um, and it's very tempting when you have a good year to look at the three months that preceded all of your personal bests. And I often made that mistake myself. I looked at that training and I said, oh, wasn't it amazing? If only I could duplicate these three months, you know, then I'll run the same times. And obviously that, that didn't work that way. And if you do, a, if you take a slightly closer look at the diary, what is clear is that the five years before that were also the most consistent in terms of overall volume. So in many ways, you can say that the performances of 2012 rested on the period 2007 to 2012. Yeah. So it, it was not, it's not, you can't look at one year in isolation, just as you shouldn't look at three months or, or one week or, or whatever in isolation. Um, because the irony is if I look at this year, this is probably going to be my second highest mileage year ever, maybe the highest, depending on how things go for now in, in December. But if I looked at all of the individual weeks, there's not a single week this year that is near my best weeks from when I was younger. Yeah. So it means, you know, it's, it's, not, necess it's not necessary to necessarily have absolutely massive training weeks. You can get, a, you can get to an overall annual volume that is better than your previous just through consistency. 
unless you're already maxed out, right? So we, we know there will be people listening to this who have had very long, very successful careers. They are running so many hours already per year that there's no way they're going to be able to do more, you know, because they, they are nearly at the very peak. So if you are an athlete like that's listening to all this, all you need to remember is it, for you to get better, it won't be so much about improving your hours and your miles next year. It'll probably be about running the same, but at a slightly higher quality. Yeah, it's it's a very good point. And I know even myself, when I say 2017, 18 and 19, it was a great three year period for me. And before coronavirus hit, I was planning on just continuing that training intensity, that raining and racing intensity for 2020. But I started off fine in January, but as I've said a couple of times in our conversation, I was actually I was actually wiped out in January 2020. So what I should have been aware of and conscious of in January was, okay, I've had two and a half, three great seasons, but now I need to probably just chill out and relax for two or three months and then go again. Now, you know, then COVID hit and I was forced into that um, resting period and made various mistakes with the bike and so on. So it's a good message for people maybe who have had a good 2020 and they're raring to go for 2021, but just to Take their couple of weeks easy at Christmas time. Let the body regenerate from their fantastic 2020 if they've been lucky enough to have a good 2020 and then attack 2021 when they're full of energy to go again. Um, in terms of training diaries, Rennie, it's very important, I think, to maintain a training diary, to be able to look back on it. It has its pros and cons. Um, what are, are your own views on training diaries or do you even think that they are important? Yeah, well, they're very important, but maybe to kind of finish off what you were saying there, and we can kind of relate it into the training diary zone, is that when I look, when at this time of year, when I look at all the athletes that I work with and what we're going to do for next year, I obviously have, you know, an advanced software to like training peaks, which doubles up both as a training diary in the way that it captures all of the details and comments that these athletes have, you know, which allows us to, to go back and see what work did they do? How did they feel about it? You know, what volume worked and what volume didn't work so well, but it also gives me all the tools I need to plan out the, the season ahead, because what I can see, I can obviously see, okay, how many hours did they run in 2020? How many kilometers did they run? But because it's, um, it's a tool that does all the calculations for you, I will usually look at what was their average weekly volume, uh, and let's say for someone, it comes in as four hours, 40 minutes. Um, that was the annual. But if you then go and look at the graph for all of the weeks, you will see that there are weeks there where this person maybe have run eight hours. And there are other weeks where they run nothing at all. You know, maybe they were sick. Maybe they were having a break. Maybe they were injured. Um, so what I do is the first is I say, well, we, we're going to aim to add 10% uh, of their very experienced and maybe a bit more than that for the next year if they are very, very new, you know, and they're starting from a really low base. Um, and then what you explained there is if you have an average annual volume this year of four hours, 40 minutes, you don't make every week the same next year. Mm -hmm. It's very important as well, you have periods of the year coming up where you plan to be well above that average, you know, well above. As, as I said in this example, um, this guy with four hours, 40 minutes average had weeks of seven to eight hours of training. Um, but that allows you also to have then 
the opposite. You have weeks where the volume is much lower or you have the ability to take breaks. You know, for instance, I always plan the average for a season as if there are four weeks that don't exist. Right? So I plan the volume based on 48 weeks because it allows you four weeks for total recuperation, illness, injury, that sort of thing. And even yeah. that can be, you know, optimistic for some athletes. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's kind of the, when you have data, whether it's a training diary written in ink or whether it's a training peaks or Strava or Garmin connect, you can access that sort of data and you can be sure then that when you plan your next year, that you build naturally a little bit onto the previous volume that you don't, make it the same you know that you know there's going to be 10 12 weeks of the year that would be really heavy you know really really heavy and make sure you put them somewhere that both fits the goals that you have but also as you say allows you a period to recover from the previous year so if you're feeling run down right now as we go into december you shouldn't be placing that super heavy period in january because you will need time to restore, you know, your bodily and mental freshness before you can attack that period. You know, so it's, it's always um, it's a matter of finding the time of year that, you know, you generally have the best uh, levels of energy work schedule and all these things. Um, and you try and put the, the bulk there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, Rennie. And I I encourage people not to make the same mistake that I made during many years of training, where I kind of had this strange philosophy of, well, listen, I'm invariably going to get injured or I'm going to get sick at some stage and then I'll take my break and I'll just keep on going until either I get sick or I get injured. And then I'll have to, I'll be forced to take my three or four weeks off and that will be my break. And I'd love to see just what percentage of, of athletes actually have that same philosophy. I'm sure there's quite a few of us out there, but obviously it's totally wrong. And, you know, you'll avoid those injuries and you'll probably avoid getting sick if you do take your three to four weeks, as you said, Rennie there, and it's actually planned into your annual calendar, because if not, you could get stuck in a rut very, very quickly. One thing that I wanted to mention just on the training diaries, as important as they are, Rennie, that I think it's very important that you do use them to look back at what you did, but you don't fall into the trap of trying to replicate an exact maybe training performance that you might have done maybe 12 months ago. So for example, oh, well, it's um, April 2021. And in April 2020, I did an eight by 1k session. And maybe say I hit 320 per k. So in April 2021, I want to hit those exact same times again. Because as one of my coaches now a couple from, from a long time ago, Jerry Kiernan used to say to me, but you can't do that because, you know, there's so many different factors that will affect your performance on any given day whether it's you know how you feel stress levels and work environment family environment weather environment so you have to be very very careful and be disciplined not to try and compare exact training sessions yeah i think it's it's a that's a very good point and it's kind of how you use that because i know some athletes quite a lot actually in history have have used one or two sessions that they always had at a particular point in their build-up to give them an idea of where they were. Um, 
but it was nearly like a milestone for them. It seemed to be, you know, like it, it was a benchmark. But as you say, you can overinterpret that sort of thing because you're not the same person. Conditions are not necessarily the same. Um, I know some other athletes, like I was just reading this book called uh, All or Not, what was it? Um, uh, all or Nothing at All, something like that. I, I need to look up the name, but it's about Billy Bland, the fell runner. And he had this goal that by the end of March, I think every year, he needed to have a thousand miles in the bank. So that was his kind of annual milestone for any season. He, kn- he knew if he could put in a thousand miles in the bank by the end of March, then he would, he had the foundation for a good season. Um, so I think what some athletes did is that there's certain sessions they had like that, that they knew oh, if, I, if I'm able to do this type of session at, a, at the type of effort I did before, then I'm in more or less the same place. So I think that could be a positive way to use it on, but the negative yeah. way is, is, is to assume you're always the same person. Sure. Um, I, I think another great positive with a training diary, and this could be whether it's on one of the platforms online now, or whether it's your Excel sheet, or even just an actual real book, a real diary, is that when you have your diary, you, once you enter in your data, you can turn it off or you can close the book and then you don't need to think about it until the next day or when you next update it. Because I think if you don't have a training diary, you could very easily fall into the trap of just be be thinking about your training 24 hours a day. Well, what am I going to do tomorrow? Or what did I do yesterday? Oh, I must remember that. Where at least if you write it down, or if you enter it into a box or whatever it might be, it's done, it's recorded forever, and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I think that's that's the you know I used to have a a boss many years ago in job. He she was carry around this black notebook always, and she always said it was her extra brain. And I think it is because it did it does take that stress away of having to float it around in your head. You know, it's there, it's waiting for you when you need to look at it. Um, and I think even more importantly, you know, if you look at cognitive studies, we actually have a really poor recollection of our own lives own you know and i have noticed this when i i don't blog much anymore because i just don't have the time and it's one of my few regrets because when i go back and i look at certain periods where i have a certain memory today of this and i actually read my own um thoughts i can see that what i remember now is totally different from what i thought then and i know from the studies that this is not just me this is very very common you know so in in fact most of us you could say a big part of our lives is not what we imagine it was you know we are remembering kind of a a selective part and that's a problem with training of course because if you think oh yeah i was doing this and that's why it worked and this is how i reacted and you then try and replicate it you're actually trying to live out a past that wasn't what you remember you know so you can that's that would be a good I, good reason to do blogging if you have the time or inclination or just to write the little comments about how you feel about certain training because yeah. that record will stand forever you know whether it's under your shelf or if it's in the database um, and you can then get that kind of honest appraisal of what actually happened previously in your training 
Okay, so if I summarize just today's um, session, Rene, I think the key point is that as we move into 2021 and we're, be we're beginning to plan our training and our racing, the key thing is, is to look at what we did in 2020 and to base our objectives for 2021 of our training, whether it was good or bad and make the necessary adjustments for next year. Yeah, that, that's basically it. And if people want any kind of number just to get an idea, they say that good competitive, kind of good beginners um, should relatively quickly be able to run 300 hours a year um, to 350. Masters athletes a bit less, you know, because when you're older, you usually can handle a bit less and you've already done more. Um, when it, you're, if you're a serious, you know, elite athlete, you, you're looking at eventually getting up around 500 hours a year. You know, so just just to give people some kind of idea of, of the time that you would need to put in, depending on your aspirations. Okay, okay. Well, listen, Manny, hopefully you get good news this evening. We're recording this at about four o'clock on Friday afternoon. People will probably be listening to it next week. So um, hopefully when people are listening, maybe next Monday or Tuesday, um, you're off somewhere getting lost on the Wicklow Mountains somewhere, um, enjoying all the trails and mountains um, down in Wicklow. So, Renny, enjoy your weekend's training. Enjoy next week's training as well. And thanks a million for always. All right, thank you. Talk to you. For our feature interview this week, we're very lucky to have a living legend of the sport of trail and ultra running. Somebody who has made an incredible name for himself over the last couple of years with some amazing, amazing achievements. John Kelly is with us this week. John recently became a global ambassador for Chorus as well. So a big thank you to Chorus for getting us in touch with John and for organizing the interview. This summer, John became the first person to complete the grand round, the UK's big three fell running rounds, the Paddy Buckley in Wales, the Bob Graham in England and the Charlie Ramsey in the Scottish Highlands. He did them all in the one go and he didn't travel by car or he didn't travel by bus or train or plane between each round. He cycled between each round and completed them all in incredible, in an incredible time with some fantastic help, it has to be said as well, from the trail running communities in the UK. He was also the Barkley Marathon 2017 winner, becoming just the 15th person in the race history of 30 years to do so. He broke the 31-year-old record on the Penny Way. He was the 2020 Spine winner in 87 hours and 53 minutes, and he also holds the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon dressed as a video game character in the 2016 Boston Marathon. So a big thank you to Chorus for organising this and without further ado, let's dial in the incredible John Kelly. John Kelly, you're very welcome to the Trail Running Ireland podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to chat. And John, you're close by. You're, you're over in Bristol at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, been here a, a bit over a year and a half now. Um, but, you know, of course, half that time spent locked in my house with uh, with COVID-19. Well, a slightly bad timing, but listen, hopefully um, the end is near for, for everybody, both on, on this side of the Atlantic and, um, and across the Atlantic for the guys in the US as well. But John, I, I might start off by saying that just in the intro to the interview, I went down through your list of achievements and it's incredible. 
but you must be an extremely busy person and it must be extremely difficult maybe to prepare for all these um, incredible endurance achievements. You're the father of a, of a young family, four children now, and congratulations on, on the new baby. Has the new baby arrived, John? Yeah, she's uh, about almost two months old now. So she's, she's doing quite well. She's, you know, she, she gets angry and cries when she's hungry. And once, once she's fed, she's quite happy and content. And, you know, that's, that's about the best you can ask for in a newborn. So, I mean, a father of four, a chief technology officer of a new ambitious startup company that's just opened up the, the new offices in, in Bristol there over the last 12 months, and this incredible elite ultra athlete. So how do you to fit all that in, John, and not get stressed about it? I mean, three, you've got three core areas there, if you like. So, and I imagine with the technical background and academic background that you have, there, there must be some serious advanced scheduling and project management employed in making sure you do a good job in all of those three things. Yeah, so I mean, definitely uh, get, keeping a, a good diary and, and being sure I've I've got everything scheduled out and, and planned, and uh, you know, my my wife is aware of my, my schedule and plans, and uh, keeping track of everything is is quite important. But but also just being able to to focus on those three key things: the the run, the, the family, and and the job and the running. Uh, and uh, cut out the rest of the noise and to really be able to, to focus on and be intentional w with my time when I'm in each of those three things. When I'm, when I'm with my family, truly be with my family and be making that quality time when I'm, when I'm at, on the job, uh, focusing on that. And, and when I'm out running, uh, being able to, to kind of, uh, cut myself mentally free from the, the stress of the, the, the everyday life. And, and really that's one of the, the big pieces of value uh, that, that I get from running is, is having that bit of, of disconnect and, and time to mentally relax. Yeah. And they're great tips. And, and I've heard you be saying before with your own training that despite the fact that, you know, some of your greatest achievements can be over 90 hour long races or over numerous days, the, the Barclay Marathon, of course, that your week to week normal training during the year, you, you're not out there for hours and hours every day. You know, I think you might only do 60 to 70 miles on a normal standard week, maybe jogging in and out of work when you yeah. could jog in and out of work. Yeah. So uh, back back when uh, commuting to the office was still a thing, um, really for about the past five years, uh, almost all of my weekday miles uh, were as my commute to work, either running or, or cycling. Uh, and, you know, now that, that commuting isn't a thing, uh, I, I, I'm still trying to, to multitask where I can. And, and my son loves riding his bike now. And uh, I, I get him to school uh, each morning, running him there as he bikes along next to me. And then I run home and I, I walk our, our twins to preschool. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so being able to, to take that time that I, I otherwise might be sitting in a car or on a bus or on a train or whatnot, 
uh, and, and getting my, my run in, I, I like to think of that as, uh, you know, free bonus time that, that I'm getting uh, to do the run. Yeah, and I, I can see how important that those relationships with your kids are and with your wife is. In the build up to one of your big adventures, John, do the family still play an important role or do you cocoon yourself from from work, from the family? And, you know, is there a 24, 48 hour window where you just focus on the Barclay or the Grand Round or, or the Spine or whatever it might be? Yeah, so I, I definitely I, I try my best. It doesn't always happen, but I, I try my best to kind of clear my plate as sort of uh, as far as work goes uh, leading into one of these things and to, to be able to check all the big items off of my task list and uh, get everything out of sight and, and out of mind and, and go into the, the event with a, a, a clean conscious and, and no extra uh, stresses weighing on my mind. Uh, and, and then uh, with family, I, I try to, to get some uh, quality time in leading up to it where that kind of has the, the, the inverse effect I'm, rather than trying to uh, cut myself free of, of work stress. I'm trying to build a nice reservoir of uh, energy and, and family quality time that I can pull from uh, when I'm out there. But then going into it, I, I, I try to have all my, my planning and, and preparation done uh, well in advance so that the, the 24 hours beforehand, I, I can uh, relax, try to get some rest, try to get some good uh, sleep and, you know, kick back and do some mind numbing Netflix watching of some sort, which yeah. is normally an, an episode of Star Trek and as little tv as i watch and as many episodes of that as there are i've i've been doing that for like five years and i'm uh, i still don't think are i'm halfway big, through are you a big star wars fan like me or are you enjoying the mandalorian the new season no i i, I haven't haven't even gotten to that yet but i'll, I'll get there and, and you, you know I, I i enjoy watching shows after they've already had their full run and yeah. completed so that I, I don't have to be left with any between season uh cliffhangers yeah, no, no, very good. Um, the, the next thing I was going to ask you, John, was just to, so that the Irish listeners can just to get to know a little about you and, and where you come from and what made you into this incredible endurance athlete. And, and you're from Tennessee in the US. And maybe could you tell us about your, your upbringing there, your, your surroundings, your family? And I suppose what I'm looking to try and find out is, was it nature or nurture? all these incredible gifts that you have, were you born with incredible biomechanics and an incredible aerobic system? Or was it a result of an exposure to, to mountains and trails and, and cycling races and triathlons and everything else? Well, I, I think uh, as, as it usually does with that question, uh, it, it comes down to a, to a bit of both. Uh, I, I think that I have genetically been blessed with some unique physiological gifts that allow me to do these things. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I still don't know precisely what they are. It's not like I have a Killian Jornet VO2 max or, or anything of, of that nature. It's uh, 
there, there are a lot of uh, combinations of uh, things that have to go into ultras, which is, is one thing I, I love so much about it. Uh, the, the part that is, is more likely uh, nurture, um, well, is the training, of course, uh, which is, has been a huge part of, of progressing over the past five years. But as far as from when I was a, a child and growing up, uh, I, I think that that's where a lot of the mindset comes from. And, and the mindset is incredibly important uh, in ultras. And I think that's one reason that relatively speaking, I'm much better at them than I, than I am at shorter races, like 5Ks. I always have been. Uh, and I, I come from a background with uh, a lot of hardworking, uh, determined and, and persistent people who uh, did what it took uh, to, to get the job done, uh, to, to make it in life, and also people that, that had a, a profound intellectual curiosity and truly got enjoyment over, uh, out of overcoming challenges and, and solving complex problems. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I come from a rural area that my, my family has been there for, for 200 years uh, since originally coming over from Ireland, actually. Uh, and, and so this, this was an area that uh, definitely saw some hard times, uh, especially during the depression and, and people did what they, they had to, to make it. And my, my grandfather there uh, graduated from eighth grade and then went and worked in the coal mines and as a prison guard. Uh, my, my grandfather on my other side of the family uh, got a, a PhD in nuclear physics from, from MIT. Uh, and, and so it's, it's quite uh, opposites there. And I'm equally proud of, of both of those things. And I, I think that it's those unique that unique combination and those kind of uh, conflicting backgrounds that has uh, allowed me to to progress and, and to to have this mindset of uh, seeking out these challenges and then doing what it takes to to overcome them. Are your parents, John, and are your grandfather still alive? How many members of your family are still there? Uh, the, my my grandfathers are are not uh, still there. My my grandmothers are, are still alive. Um, and yeah, my my parents and uh, uncle and, and aunt and, and cousins uh, still live uh, there on on the farm. And uh, you know where where they've been, where my family has been since uh, I think eighteen fourteen. And it's wow. it's actually it's right across the street. Uh, from where the Barkley Marathons takes place, which was yeah. was one thing that was quite unique and, and motivating for me uh, for for that race. Sure, and the, the reason I ask is because what do they think, John, of what you've gone on to achieve? I, I imagine they must be immensely proud. Uh, I don't know, are they are they big sports fans themselves? Yeah, uh, you know. No, they're they're not runners, um, but they they have uh, they're, they're very proud of, of what I've been able to do, uh, and uh, again that's that's something that I take great pride in is is being able to to represent that small community that I come from, not only at Barclay, uh, but beyond, and uh, you know that they should take pride and knowing that as far as that nurture goes, 
they were a big part of, of what I've been able to achieve, whether uh, intentionally or accidentally, where, you know, I, I mentioned my cousins, and I, I think a, a big part of me uh, taking on challenges, and uh, to be honest, for some things having an, all right, I'll show you kind of attitude, uh, is I spent a large part of my childhood uh, chasing around my my older cousins and my older brother, uh, who average, uh, five years older than me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I was, I was always the one kind of chasing to, to, to keep up and, and trying to, to show people that uh, I could do things that they didn't think I could. And I saw a lovely um, video clip on YouTube during the week where I think you were back home at the start of the year when, when Barclay was due to take place and a local TV news crew, came out to do a feature on you and you you did your own version of the Barkley Marathon with the flags of the participants and their countries who couldn't make it because of COVID restrictions and I just thought that that was really nice and and I'm just wondering like did the local TV crew and do your neighbors there do they realize um what you've gone on to achieve I mean, if you were a footballer or a basketballer, you know, you'd be a global superstar. And I just wonder, are they conscious of the respect that you have amongst the, the ultra running community? Uh, they, they do cover it. And, you know, again, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's not a sport that a lot of people are uh, all that familiar with. And I think as far as these things go, I, I mean, to be honest, for uh, the normal community uh, of people, uh, once you go past an, a marathon and, and past a certain threshold, it, it kind of, uh, it, it all blends together in terms of, of people don't really understand or, or comprehend uh, the, the scale of things as you move past that. And, and that's, that's fine. But, you know, you, you don't have to understand to uh to, to take pride in that and to, uh, I hope, uh, seek whatever, uh, use that as motivation to, to seek whatever your own personal challenges are. And it's, uh, you know, those might be challenges that, that I don't understand myself because I'm, I'm spending all of my time running. Yeah. And speaking of all those challenges, John, I mean, I'd love to go into the detail of each one of them. But as we you know, said, we try and keep the interview to, to 40, 45 minutes or so. I might just ask you if you can to choose which one you're most proud of. I mean, I, I think that would still have to go back to Barclay. Uh, that, that was my one that uh, really first kind of made me realize that I was capable of um, the, the extraordinary things. And, and, and I, I mean that in its literal sense of, of beyond ordinary uh, things and set me on a path where I had the motivation and the belief in myself to pursue these things that I, otherwise I, I frankly would have never considered or, or never even imagined. Uh, and, and then on top of that, again, with the connection to the local community uh, and, and being able to do that there is, is kind of the, the hometown kid uh, conquering yeah. this, this impossible race it really meant a lot to me. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine. And and you went to some some depths um, of suffering and pain and to, to get through those, I think, wasn't it five laps, I think, that you did. And of course, one of only 15 people to do it. And then I was reading that, I think, was it the last time that you went, you, you didn't finish it because you knew what was involved in actually finishing it. And you just didn't want to go there again. Um, but then recently I've heard you say that now, yeah, you're ready to maybe give it a, a, another shot. Maybe could you talk us through that, that mental journey of the, the elation of completing it to going back again and saying, no, I'm just... Uh, I'm not up for it this time, but actually I want to go back and do it again now. I'm sure it's a roller coaster of emotions, thinking about it and going through it. Yeah, absolutely. And when I did um, decide to, to quit in, in 2019, uh, like you said, I, I was in the lead in the race. I, I was doing well. Uh, I wasn't yet feeling all that horrible, but I just, I realized, uh, and I was, I was cursed with the knowledge of knowing what loops four and loops five take. Uh, you know, I, I had the benefit in my early years of Barkley, I had the benefit of naivety, uh, of blissful ignorance of, of not realizing, uh, what loops in four and, and five really entailed and, and what I would have to go through, uh, to get past them in 2019, I, I knew. And uh, I realized at that point in the race after two loops that I, I didn't have that in me this year. I, I didn't have the motivation and the fire uh, to get through that. And so, uh, you know, I had just recently done my first ever 200 miler. I was moving with my family to the UK that very week uh, and had a lot of, of plans for the year. And, and so I, I decided it was best to, uh, not not put myself through a, an extremely draining and ultimately futile uh, endeavor by, by continuing on. And I, I promised myself and, and, and others at, at that point that if I did go back, that I, I would be sure uh, that, that I did have that motivation, that, that I, I had that fire again. Uh, and and that is something that I, I can confidently say uh, is back. I, I don't want my relationship with Barkley uh, to end on on that note. Uh, yeah. And I, I really, you know, I, I'd love to join the uh, exclusive club of, of multi-time finishers, which right now consists of, of Jared Campbell and, and Brett Mounty. And when you're planning for something like that, John, maybe going back to it, are you like the rest of us runners that if we put an objective, um, whether it's a, it's a local race or an international race, whatever it might be, that not a day goes by where we don't think about it <laughs> and we're, we're wondering how can we get the, get the most out of the next 24 hours to prepare, to prepare for this objective in four months' time? And it's constantly on our mind. So are you, are you like that as well, where not a day will go by where you're not planning for that attack in three or four months time? Or, or are you just happy going with the flow, training easily, and when the moment arrives, the moment arrives, and then you'll deal with it? How do you, how do you approach it? I mean, you definitely have to plan out things uh, as, as best as you can in, in terms of the obstacles uh, you might face and the challenge of what you need to do 
to prepare both physically and, and, and mentally and logistically. Uh, and, and you have to, to keep those things in mind uh, as, as your training, as, as motivation. Uh, but, but once you kind of have those goals set, uh, you, you have that checklist of, of here are the things that I need to do to prepare, then, then it does, for me at least, become more about the process of, of getting to that point and uh, you know, determining how far along that path I am uh, to see myself progress and to see myself get closer to, to that spot that I'm ready. And I think that's that's quite important to uh, enjoy that journey uh, rather than just focusing on the end point and, and constantly kind of fretting uh, about whether I'm there or not. Yeah, it is. The, the journey is so important, isn't it? And it's something I've tried to, to learn and implement in my own training as much as I can over the last couple of years, especially I think as we got older as well. It's so important to enjoy um, every day while we're running because you just never know what's around the corner and what injury you might pick up where, you know, your running career might be in a bit of danger. And maybe that's what I might ask you next, John, is that how do you stay fit and healthy? in the lead up to these adventures and then post well, sorry, during these adventures and after these adventures, because the, the, the hardship that your body and legs have gone through. I, I saw some of the footage of the, the grand round as well. And I mean, you, you were limping and, and hobbling for, for so many miles of that. It must've been excruciating pain. So how do you stay healthy and fit? Okay. So that, that is a, a very important uh, piece of ultra running. And, and it is something where uh, I, I want to have longevity in the sport. I, I want to be able to continue enjoying these challenges. And, and you see uh, all too often in, in ultra running, people kind of uh, shoot up to a, a high level of performance and, and then quickly burn out uh, and, and fade away. And so I, I think keeping training uh, at a reasonable volume is important. And not only that, but uh, keeping mental, uh, overall mental and, and life stress uh, at a reasonable, reasonable volume. I think that's what a, a lot of people don't, don't realize. And, and what it took me a while to realize is, is that life stresses add up. The, the stress we put on our body from training uh, is, is, is not, uh, siloed uh, from from the rest of life and so we have to consider uh you know where we are in life if if we're getting proper sleep if we're taking care of our body if if we're in a phase where we're not able to do that then our our training load might need to decrease a, a bit to uh to factor that in and another important thing is is learning to to listen to our own bodies and uh, not only in, in terms of uh, what kind of training we're able to take, of you know figuring out when our body is telling it it's it's fatigued or it's starting to get overtrained and, and we need to to back off and, and take a bit of a rest and recover, but also in, in terms of uh, pain and, and the injuries that all of us uh, experience, especially during races, and there there are pains 
that, you know, they're, they're bad and uh, that they hurt, but you can push through them and you can keep going and you're not going to do any long-term damage. You're not going to come out of it with an injury. It, it just hurts. Uh, but then there are also pains that, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to pay attention. You, you, you can't push through them or you shouldn't push through them. Uh, and, and if you try to, you, you could end up with something that, you know, not only hurts your ability to continue running, but, but could impact your, your actual overall health, which is, is something that I, uh, is extremely important to me in, in avoiding that and being able to, to live a, a long, healthy, happy life with, with my kids and eventually my, my grandkids and, and, um, you know, being there for that and, and being able to stay active for that. Yeah. Is there anything extra that you do, John, apart from the, the natural endorphins that running gives us? Um, I don't know, things like meta, meditation or any specific diet tips, or you, you mentioned sleep as well. What, what are your, you know, your top two or three things that you feel help you remain stress-free and, and injury-free? Uh, so... I would say, again, thinking about uh, overall life stresses and using that to uh, determine training load of, of backing off when necessary and, and listening to your body and, and to your mind and not uh, over overburdening it. Uh, diet, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's very important to, to get the nutrients we need uh, for training and, and for any endurance sport, whatever sort of, I, I have an, an indiscriminate diet. I, I don't follow anything where I, I exclude any particular foods. I, I have food that foods that I try to do in, in moderation for, for one reason or another, whether it's for, for health or, or ethical uh, considerations. Uh, but I don't follow a restrictive diet. I, I follow one where I want to be sure that I'm, I'm getting the calories and I'm getting the nutrients that my body needs to support uh, the level of training and, and stress uh, that I'm, I'm putting on myself. And then the, the last thing I would say kind of goes back to the beginning of this uh, conversation where being able to uh, compartmentalize things. And, you know, when I'm focused on a work problem, or I'm focused on one stress of not letting myself get distracted by all of the others. And when I'm out there running, being able to focus on the running and, and not letting myself get distracted by other things so that, you know, I'm, I'm facing one of these stresses at a time and, and never trying to deal with all of them at once. Yeah. Yeah, it's good advice. And I'm sure all of those tips and um, philosophies on life helped you to get through the grand round back in August, John. And I watched the, the new documentary last night that was just released on YouTube. And it was a brilliant piece of work. And, you know, it, it makes the viewer, you know, feel like that they were there with you, especially, especially on some of the ridges when, when the camera is just behind you. For anybody, maybe John, that isn't um, that hasn't seen uh, what you did there, 
could you give us a quick summary of what it was? And and we maybe we won't go into the detail of the adventure because I want to I want to invite people to go and watch it to see what you went through. But maybe if you could just set the scene of what of what you were hoping to do in the grand round. Yeah. So this is is something that I I, I came up with myself when I, I found out I was moving to the UK that. Uh, gave me an opportunity to really have a, a grand adventure and combine some of the things I'm passionate about and uh, explore a, a wide swath of uh, my my new country at the same time. Uh, and well, the, the the country that I'm 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 living in. Uh, and so it, it takes the UK's three classic. Uh, big grounds, uh, the, the Paddy Buckley in Wales, the Bob Graham in the Lakes, and the Charlie Ramsey round in Scotland. Uh, and uh, the goal was to, to do them all uh, back to back to back and ride my bike in between. So uh, in, in total, it, it, it comprised about 185 miles of running, uh, about a uh, hundred thousand feet of elevation gain and about 400 miles of biking, which uh, my, my original goal was to do each section in 24 hours and um, complete the full thing in, in five days. I, I made it all the way to the final round and uh, you, you know, got the, the worst of uh, felt the onset of fatigue at that point and got hit by a named storm and, and ended up coming in a, a bit over 24 hours and a bit over my five-day total goal uh, for that. But it was uh, quite the exciting adventure and, uh, you know, in, in my mind, uh, despite technically failing, a, a big success as far as what I set out to do. Absolutely. It was a superb success. And one thing that that really stood out for me, John, when you were doing when I was watching it last night, watching you complete it, was the help that you got from the trail running community and the cycling community as well. And they all came out and supported you. And I just thought it was a great representation of the family spirit that we have in trail and mountain running. You must have been very, very proud of the human race um, during those couple of days. They get so much brilliant support. Yeah, it was it was really incredible. Uh, just the amount of support I had, not only this year, but I, I first attempted this last year, uh, and I, I came up yeah. a bit short. Uh, and and on both of those, uh, I just had an, an incredible out, outpouring of support uh, that, like you said, is is an amazing uh, community and something that I, I think makes these types of things really a a community achievement. There, there's no possible way that I could have made it through this uh, without those those people and especially on the final round where where again i i was my body was just completely drained at that point we were out there in absolutely horrendous weather uh and just had an all-star group of scottish hill runners around me that that were there to uh ensure my safety and that helped helped get me around uh the rest of that round to to the finish 
Yeah. And as you're approaching the finish, John, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, I mean, the body must have felt 10 in terms of pain. What's keeping you going over the last couple of hours? Is it just that finish line? Is it thoughts of sporting heroes from the past? Is it thoughts of your family? Or are you actually just in the zone where you're just not thinking of anything and just step by step, foot by foot? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well constantly focused on the, the next objective on any of these things. I, I break them up into manageable chunks, uh, uh, chunks that my mind and my body can actually comprehend. If you step to the starting line for any of these things and you're thinking about the finish, it, you will very quickly become overwhelmed. Uh, so for any of those, I'm, I'm thinking about the next climb or the next descent or the next checkpoint and, and getting to that. Uh, and, and once I do that, then I, I can shift my focus forward. Uh, and, and especially when I have a goal in mind and I've planned out a schedule, I know that if I get to each of those objectives on schedule, then I'm going to do fine. And I don't have to think about the ultimate finish, but it, yeah, it's it's something that that towards the end of that, especially after I slipped uh, past my schedule, um, I'm thinking about what all went into this and, and my why and uh, what truly motivated me to get out there and seek this goal in the first place, as well as what we just mentioned, all the people out there that that came out to support me. Uh, I was not about to uh, let their efforts be in vain. Uh, on on doing that so that that got me around to that final peak uh up on ben nevis and, and you know from there i still had the descent to the finish and at that point i, I think i was uh, <laughs> i just wanted to get there so that i could get a shower and eat a proper meal and get in bed but yeah. for, for me the the true the true achievement um and that sense of accomplishment came on top of ben nevis with, with the final summit yeah. And John, it would be a miss of me not to ask, can we tempt you over to Ireland to attempt any of the rounds in Ireland? Um, the, the Wicklow round, for example, we've had some of the guys on the podcast over the last couple of months that have done it and have broken records on it. Paddy O'Leary and Gavin Byrne, who has the, the 15 hours and four minute record. And Paul O'Callaghan was on a while back as well, who did the back to back Wicklow round. 26 summits of the Wicklow Mountains just outside Dublin. Would you be interested in all in, in coming across maybe in the new year when things are, are back to normal, hopefully? Yeah, I, I definitely want to get over to Ireland when, when I can. Uh, it's, it's something that we had in our plans uh, th this year. And of course, uh, things didn't exactly work out with being able to, to travel this year. Uh, so whenever that's a possibility again, I, I would love to get a, over to uh, ex explore some of those places, some of those runs and, uh, you know, the, the country itself, especially with my, my heritage and my, my family history there. Do you have Irish family? Well, uh, obviously with, with the last name Kelly, um, yeah, yeah. It, you know, have, have Irish lineage there, but that side of the family Again, they, they, they moved to the U.S. Uh, at the beginning of the 19th century. So we've kind of lost track of where exactly in Ireland they came from. And, and again, especially with a name like Kelly that is all over the place in Ireland, 
uh, we're not sure exactly uh, on that side, but I do also have uh, Irish ancestry on my mom's side, which goes back just, uh, I think only three generations. Uh, and we do know that they, they come from Ballyfin. Okay, okay. Well, of course, your, your new president um, is very proud of his Irish um, heritage, John, as well. So maybe when President Biden comes over, you, you could try and get an invitation um, to, to his trip over, Andrew. It'd be great to have the two years at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that would be great. You know, it's, uh, I'll, I'll leave it to someone else to try to set that up there. <laughs> yeah, and do, I mean, and don't be afraid to reach out to any anybody here in the trail running community, the likes of Gavin and Paddy, Paddy, who's actually based over in the States, who have, you know, done the Wicklow round and done so well on it. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to, to help you try and attack that 15 hour barrier if you did want to do it. But one thing I wanted to ask you, John, as well, was that you've become this incredible ambassador for the sport. And when I was watching the, the documentary last night about the Grand Round, around minute 2021 20, or so, there was a, a really fantastic monologue when you were talking in the garden, just talking about how so important it is to try and push ourselves to our limits and beyond them, to be as strong as we can be. And they were just great messages. And I'm just wondering, are you, are you conscious of the, the motivational powers that you have and the, the great example you are to the ultra running community? And, and would you, would you, would you, and beyond the running world with those messages, is that something that's in your consciousness at all? Because I think what you do is incredible and it inspires so many. Well, well first of all, that, thank you very much. That, that means a lot. Um, it, it is something that, you know, I've, I've become aware of over the years as, as far as receiving messages uh, from people uh, saying as, as much as you have there. And, and so what I've tried to do uh, is, is in response to that is, is essentially just be honest and, and open um, uh, about what I'm doing and, and why, whether it's through the, the, the film you watched last night or through my blog, I, I tend to do quite the uh, extensive race reports and, and posts there. And, you know, if, if I'm honest and, and put my thoughts out there and, and people are able to take things away from that, that's, that's great. Um, I, you know, I, I do very much, um, you know, I, I'm glad that, that people are, uh, able to, to take away from that. It's, uh, not something that, that I would say, um, I otherwise do with any sort of in, intent or, or purpose or, or agenda behind it. I'm, I'm generally a fairly, uh, introverted person. Uh, and so that, that's one reason I, I do enjoy the, the doing it like through my blog, for example, I, I can kind of put my thoughts out there and write them out as if I'm talking to myself and uh, th then they are if, if anyone else wants to, to take a glimpse into them.
Sure. And there's some great humor in the blogs as well. And um, I did laugh when I think you, you had your English breakfast, Scottish breakfast and Welsh breakfast, I think. Was that after the grand round? And the only one missing, John, is your Irish breakfast. So we'll have to we'll have to solve that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I could have added some some Irish coffee or, or something along with yeah, it. Some nice black pudding or some nice <laughs> some nice sausages or something. Um, yeah. just, um, thanks a million for for your time this evening. It's been really great chatting to you, and you're you're an inspiration to everybody. And congratulations on becoming a chorus global ambassador as well. So that must have been good news for you a couple of weeks ago. And I'm sure their their watches have been um, a valuable tool when you've been doing challenges over 80 and 90 hours and their battery life will come in handy i'm sure yeah absolutely and, and that's that's of course the the big thing that uh initially piqued my interest was was that battery life for the types of things that i do um and, and then uh, as kind of progressing that relationship I've, I've been quite appreciative of how open they are to uh, athlete feedback and and i enjoy the opportunity to uh, try to improve uh, products that are out there for the, the ultra running community. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to provide that feedback and uh, ending up with with a better watch that not only I, I can use and, and also uh, the, the others can get their hands on. Okay, well, listen, John, we, we look forward to seeing you in Ireland one day. Good luck with the new lady in your life as well. And um, she, you never know, maybe a Barclay and Wicklow, Wicklow round double in 2021. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to getting over there as, as soon as we can. Take care, John. All the best. And that's a wrap for episode 17, everybody. A big, massive thank you to John Kelly there. What an incredible, inspiring story. A really top guy. And do make sure to check out his new documentary on YouTube about the Grand Round. It's really good viewing, guys. You'll be inspired and you'll be motivated by it, by what John did, and of course by John himself. A really top guy. And who knows what he will do next. And I'll certainly be looking out for him over the next couple of years. A real, a real leader on the trails on the mountains and somebody i think we'll all enjoy following over the next couple of years a shout out to ben clark as well from course thank you ben for joining us and Rene borg from running coach ireland as always for his insightful training analysis and information thank you to chorus our show sponsor make sure to check out their new website for the uk and the irish market uk.chorus.com and there you can see the full range of their incredible watches the chorus apex the course vertex and of course the pace two now worn by kipchoge the greatest marathon runner of all time everybody keep on using those miles those hills those mountains or those trails whatever you have near you to help keep those endorphins pumping around the body and keep that stress and tension far far away everybody until next time get your running gear on let's go